Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. This episode of the Can't Wait podcast is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletics. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETIC. Hey, everyone. Thanks for watching or listening. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Lots to get to on the pod. Zach Wilson's on-field development will have to wait another week. The Jets will trot out their third different starting quarterback of the season on Sunday versus Miami. It's Joe Flacco gets the nod over Mike White with Zach Wilson, not 100%. We're also going to talk about the rookies, give them midterm report cards, um, how to fix the defense next year, assuming that it cannot be fixed in 2021. We're going to look ahead to next year and what they can do then. Uh, we'll have our picks as well. Before all that, Connor, though, new Spider-Man trailer out. What'd you think? I liked it. I liked it. You know, I'm not one of those people that uh, they go kind of crazy over the the trailers in terms of like, oh, my God, I can't. Like I have a, one of my, my very good friends, Brendan, who's actually one of my groomsmen. He like won't watch trailers like because he doesn't want any part of the movie tipped off to him, which I get like, all right, if that's your thing. But I have no problem watching trailers. Like, it gets me hyped for it. Now, I'm not one of those people that's going to like stream my reaction to the trailer and be screaming and yelling and going like all this commotion and stuff like that. But I will say that when I first heard the. When I first heard the the rumors of how they were going to be bringing in all the other Spider-Men, like Tobey Maguire was going to come back and all that stuff, and they were going to bring in all the villains from the past, like you're going to see the Green Goblin again and Doc Ock, like part of me was a little nervous about like is Marvel basically are they biting off more than they can chew right now? You know, like are are they are they coming in? Are they trying to accomplish too much? And honestly, Marvel, unlike DC. Unlike some of these other movies that have come out where you're like, eh, like Fox, when Fox was doing like the X-Men movies and when Fox was doing um, uh, Fox was doing X-Men, Fox was doing Fantastic Four, um, DC, obviously, with everything DC has done where they don't necessarily deserve the benefit of the doubt. And you're like, I don't think this is going to work. And based off of your past resume, it's probably not going to work. Marvel's now with the way that they've built this thing up, they deserve like the okay. Go ahead. Like, like if this is what you guys think you can do, if this is what you guys think you can accomplish, go ahead. Let's see. Now, the one thing that I will say that I'm getting a little intimidated by, it's not Spider-Man related because the Spider-Man thing's great. Like, I, I, I honestly, I cannot wait for that movie. I texted my sister Madison. I texted Brendan. I was like, you guys want to go do midnight release? Like, let's go the the old school. Let's go to this will be the first movie I've seen in theaters since pan, since the pandemic. So. I was like, let's do it. Let's go to the midnight release. My sister's usually the one that comes with me to see to come and see like the the uh, Marvel movies and all. Like we saw Endgame together and Infinity War together and all that stuff. So I was like, let's do it. Like let's go. Let's go midnight release again. Um, I'm pumped for it. I'm thrilled for it. I can't wait to see it. Spider Man and Wolverine are like my two favorite ser- superheroes ever. The one thing that I'm a little intimidated by is that Marvel, ever since Disney Plus has come out, has put out all of these like secondary television shows where you've got Loki, you've got um, Wanda and vision. They just, they're having like the Hawkeye one come out. Like I know I've got to go see Eternals and I know I have to see uh, Shanghai, right? Is that like the other one that's come out? Uh, the new superhero. I, I haven't seen those two yet. I have to, that's like on an effort. Like I have to go out and see those two movies, but I'm a little worried about like, do I have to now watch also all of these Disney plus television series in order to like now go see the movie because like Marvel, this isn't the first time Marvel's had a television series because they had agents of shield. But what I liked about agents of shield is like they incorporated aspects of the MCU in there. Like obviously Coulson was there, but like you didn't have to watch that in order to know what was going to happen in the movie. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like I don't have the time right now to catch like all of these movies. That you are don't have out. the time. Yeah, seriously. And you guys work even more than I do. Like to watch like you got like parent like Marissa's all over. Like I don't know how I can watch like 
all like I watched all of WandaVision. I watched like part of Loki, but I don't really like Loki as a character. So I was like, okay, I'm not gonna watch this. Now, do I need to watch like all of Hawkeye, all of this, all of that, the new like uh, Agatha Witch show that's coming out? Do I have to watch all of that plus all of the movies to just be able to enjoy Spider Man? Like that is like that's where I'm a little bit to the point. I'm like, I don't like this. This is now getting to be a little too like if you have the shows on there and it's like complimentary and if you want to watch it, you can, but you don't lose anything by not watching them. Perfectly fine. I'm down for that. Maybe the comment section can inform me here. Those that have watched all this stuff. But if we're talking about like I have to watch all of these television shows plus all of the movies, too, like that's going to be a bit much. I'm all in on the movies because there's like one or two a year and they're great. One or two, three a year. That's awesome. But if we're going into the rabbit hole, of, like I've got to watch all of these hours of television shows. Um, No, I'm not doing it. I will say this tip I, uh, before we like get into the misery that is the New York Jets. And I'm sorry, anyone who's like going to come in here and bash us that we're not talking Jets off the bat here. The Jets are a two and seven disaster right now. They are starting Joe Flacco. Trying to on give Sunday. people some joy before we get. To yeah, that. I'm about to. I'm seriously, dude. I'm driving to MetLife Stadium on a Sunday where it's going to be 60 degrees and I could be golfing to watch Joe Flacco play quarterback. Joe Flacco. So I'm sorry. We're not. We're, we'll we'll talk all this. We'll break all this down. We'll talk about Mike White and Zach Wilson and the deep. But I want to talk some some comic books first. So I will say this. Have you, Tim? Are you a video game guy? Like, are you are you into the video game? Tim stuff? has I'm a, a re- child. I'm a retired. So video game is over. Yeah. I'm a retired video game player. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while. I'm not going into like the the Fortnite like Call of Duty stuff. Like I'm not I'm not diving in. You know getting into all of that right now although i am excited for battlefield and and the new halo to come out because that's like my shit like i gotta get my actually i just texted brendan the guy who's now like we should bring him on here you know we talk about having guests and stuff let's let's bring brendan on to talk about you can get old college college old connor college stories and stuff like that really embarrass me and make people hate me even more um but brendan and i were talking about doing like a halo run through again and and kicking off because the the new one's coming out but more than that one of my favorite games that has come out recently is the Spider-Man game that came out for the PlayStation 4 and then the um the Miles Morales one that followed it. And I saw I don't I think I don't think it's coming out for another 2 years or a year or 2 years or something like that, but now the same company that's making the Spider-Man game is making the Wolverine game. Is making a Wolverine standalone game. And with how well that company, I forget their name off the top of my head. Somebody will drop it in the chat, I know, because they're super popular. Like, I just can't remember the name off the top of my head. For that company to do as well as they did with Spider-Man, as well as they did with Miles Morales, like the detail, the the, the working in different villains and characters, the storyline that just sucked you in where it's just it encompasses your life. For them to now do that off of Spider-Man and then do it for my favorite superhero of all time, Wolverine. Like all t- like we talk about like people who take pictures with celebrities and athletes and stuff like that. there are very few people that I would want to take a f- uh, picture with. One is Guy Fieri because I freaking love Guy Fieri. One is Howard Stern because like obviously like growing up listening to the radio, so I like, love Howard Stern. And one of the other ones that is on my list is like Hugh Jackman because of his portrayal of Wolverine. Like I absolutely love Wolverine and I cannot wait. Like I'm excited for Spider Man movie, but that that Wolverine game that's gonna come out I cannot i thought you were gonna say the character wolverine i was gonna say you could just go to times square and get your photo taken (laughs) my mom when i was a kid i I, when i was like a little kid they gave me like the the yellow wolverine costume and my mom took tinfoil and rolled it up so i can have my wolverine claws and my mom tells the story all the time that like i literally garth brooks is the other one i'd want to meet like that's the other i was one of my favorite singers of all time wanted to be him. not taylor swift though no. Oh, I heard a great rant on Taylor Swift. Like, I can't believe she has all these people like sending death threats. To Connor, we're eight minutes in the podcast already, months. so we have to end the rant. Probably, this is probably going to be the best eight minutes of the podcast, to be honest with you again, because now we're transitioning to Joe Flacco. But my mom used to give me like these Wolverine claws, like out of tinfoil. And I would, she, she told me that it got to the point where I, I basically lived in the Wolverine costume for like a month. And then my mom had to say like it didn't fit anymore and it ripped and she threw it away because it was like awful. But I would not take the Wolverine costume out. So to have, Wolverine game coming. Oh, you guys are going to we're going to have to I, I will live stream the hell out of that. That'll get the Twitch back up for. But it's going to be it's going to be tough for me to find time to do the podcast when that thing comes out, because I am going to be all on that. I will be a Marissa. Again with Marissa, maybe the Wolverine in Times Square actually is Connor. <laughs> yeah, probably. He's still wearing yeah. the costume all these yeah. years later. That's what he does all right. in his spare time. <laughs> so on to. On to Joe Flacco we go, and and he is the next man up for the Jets here. And the explanation was was interesting, I guess, Connor. The fact that the Dolphins' defense they play the cover zero. There's there's a lot more to read, a lot more to understand pre snap, and the Jets just felt going with a more experienced quarterback 
better sets them up for that. Better chance to win, I guess. I don't know. I feel like if you polled <laughs> polled Jets fans and said, hey, Joe Flacco is probably going to give us a little better chance of win because of the, the pre-snap reads he can do. Or we can see what, you know, send Mike White out there again and see if we can rekindle the the flame with Mike White. I feel like a lot of people would say, let's just see Mike White again. Yeah, look, I mean, the the Jets anticipated Zach being ready for this game. That that was, they, they everyone I talked to, everyone like this, this wasn't like a lot. I mean, if they thought Zach wasn't going to be able to play until Houston, they would not have kept him on. They would have put him on the injured reserve. Like they would have put him on the IR. They had a legitimate belief that there was a chance they, they didn't think he was going to play against the Bills. They thought there was a chance he could play against the Bills, but at worst case, he would be able to practice that full week. Then he would practice again this full week, and then he'd be on the field against Miami and be ready to rock and roll and, and get going. Rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. Marissa's off her game. She's not She's not a full <laughs> cup of coffee deep yet. That's why she didn't, she didn't catch it. Um, that was the game plan, though. Like, that's what they genuinely believed was going to happen. That was Zach, Zach Wilson was going to practice for a week against the Bills, sit that game, practice a week, then go against the Dolphins. When he showed up to the facility on Monday, when he was back again on Wednesday, the knee just is not in a place where he's 100%. Could he play on Sunday? Yeah, he could go out there and play on Sunday, but he's probably at like 75 85%. Like, that's probably where he is right now. If he's a veteran... If he's a guy who's been in here three years, if he's been there, done that, if he knows his stuff, fine. The Jets are going to start him. The Jets are going to play him. Because he doesn't, though, because he's a rookie, because he's going to go up against a complicated defense that historically is a challenge for young guys to play against, a challenge for people who have never seen an abundance of cover zero like the Dolphins run. I mean, they ran it like 30-something times, LaFleur said, against the the, um, the Ravens. When you have not seen that extensively or you don't have a an experience with that, you're basically leading the lamb to slaughter to talk to Chuck Zach Wilson out there against that defense. Do I agree with it? That's that's I'm, I, this is not my opinion. This is just what, how the Jets are thinking. They realize that, OK, you know what? We could throw Zach Wilson out there. He's still not 100 percent. This is probably not the best play, the best landing spot for him after missing three weeks. Let's just sit him one more week, give him one more week to heal, let him be heal, let him be 100% against the Texans. We'll throw him out there against that defense, which is a little bit easier. Then you go to the whole Mike White, Joe Flacco thing. The Jets are saying, and this is, I've, I've said this on the, they've said this on the record, they've said this off the record. They're going with Joe Flacco because Joe Flacco has the experience of going up against a cover zero defense. Now, I will say a lot of people are like, oh, it helped him a ton against the Dolphins last year where the Jets got shut out 24-0. The Jets offense was 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 the, the talent level on the Jets offense that Joe Flacco was throwing to last year compared to this year is night and day. I mean, he had Frank Gore as his running back. He's got Mike Carter now. He had Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims as his receivers. He's got Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder now. Tight ends, probably a wash. Offensive line, significantly better. You got Elijah Vera Tucker in there. You got Morgan Moses, George Fant, who looks a little bit more comfortable this season. I mean, Greg Van Roten still stinks, but like you got it's it's a better offensive line as well. So offensive talent-wise and offensive play calling-wise, it is completely different this year than last year. So I don't think you can just say, oh, Joe Flacco stunk against the cover zero last year. He's going to stink again this year. It might happen, but I don't think you can just use that as an argument or a justification. They know that Mike White, while he had that great game against the Bengals, while he had a good start to the game against the Colts, all that stuff, oh, we're going to blah, blah, blah. It's still, those were still the the game against the Patriots, those two games, and this one against the Bills. Those were still the first four starts and only four game appearances, not starts, game appearances of Mike White's career. So he doesn't have extensive experience going up against a cover zero defense. So what they felt was that instead of throwing Mike White out there and having him struggle, Instead of throwing a hobbled Zach Wilson out there and having him struggle for this week, let's throw the experience out there. Let's throw the quarterback out there who has been there, done that. The quarterback who has seen this defense before, a quarterback who has experience against cover zero because they believe that Joe Flacco's experience against that will allow him to identify things pre-snap, allow him to understand what's about to come when they snap the ball and then get the ball out of his hands quick enough and get it into the playmaker's hands like Elijah Moore, like Corey Davis, like Jamison Crowder, like all these other guys. Get the ball in their hands early so they can go and make plays, which is how this offense is designed to do. They don't believe that Zach Wilson would be able to do that because he's a rookie. They don't believe that Mike uh, Mike White would be able to do that because he's only started or played in four games in his NFL career. They believe that Joe Flacco would be the best one 
to do that. They think that Joe Flacco is their best option to win on Sunday because of his experience, because he still has some arm talent. Is there any, was there any added pressure, do you think, on Robert Sala and company to play Joe Flacco because they sent the sixth round pick away for him? And otherwise he was just going to do nothing, throw one touchdown pass and three passes this year. Yeah, that's the politics of it that I I asked that. I said I brought that up to Salah this week because I said I was like, that's what everyone's gonna be talking about. In my opinion, no. They gave up a sixth round pick. And they're already past the point where like Joe would have had to have played 50% of the snaps during that four game stretch in order for that sixth round tick pick to become a fifth round pick. So that's that's not that's obviously not happening. He's only gonna start one game. Like it's it's not happening. So I know a lot of people are like, oh my God. They got to justify the sixth round pick. Oh my God, they they gave up a sixth. They have to. They ha- it, this this is why they gave up a sixth round pick. They have to show why. They have to show why. In my opinion, no. That's that's honestly not this. It's it is it is a sixth round pick. Okay, we're not talking about a fourth. We're not talking about a third. We're not talking about a second. We're talking about a sixth round pick. Jeremy Clark was a sixth round pick. There are tons of schlubs that are sixth round picks. Like I mean, they are literally like if you happen to hit. I know Tom Brady was a sixth round pick, but like. And there are so few and far between legitimate quality six round Brandon picks. Brandon really was just a sixth round pick. Yeah, and look how that's going. So <laughs> there's like there's like you've got you're basically scratch off tickets. Like you you try to get as many as you can, and maybe you win twenty bucks. Like that's really what six round picks are. So when you trade one for a guy, because again, the, as we said this before, the Jets did not expect Mike White to do what he did against the Bengals. The Jets thought Mike White was going to go out there and stink against the Bengals, and then they would go to Joe Flacco for the final two or three games that Zach Wilson missed. That's what they expected. That's why they traded for him. Then Mike White pulled that unbelievable performance out of his out of his you-know-where against the Bengals, and things spiraled and blah, 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 moved on, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think that the sixth-round pick has anything to do with this. I will say that when I found out that Joe Flacco, not Mike White, was starting, the thought that crossed my mind, and this is just me playing you know devil's advocate and me kind of playing the conspiracy theory game is that when Mike White struggled to the level that he did against Houston or I'm sorry against Buffalo it nipped in the bud all of the conversations about Mike White needing to stick to Mike White needing to stick with Mike White because all of a sudden it was like this guy had a had a 33 quarterback rating. There were four interceptions. The get and the Jets got their you know what's kicked by the Buffalo Bills. Like there was no longer maybe Mike White's a franchise quarterback. There was no more keep Zach Wilson on the bench because let's ride Mike White. This was we said Mike White was going into that game against the Buffalo Bills with the hook basically around his waist. He had no slack. As soon as he screwed up, he was going to get yanked. But if he didn't screw up, they were going to continue to ride him. He screwed up, so they were yanking him out. The Jets expected to yank Mike White out and put. Zach Wilson on the field for here against the Dolphins. When Zach was not as far along as they expected him to be, suddenly it was like, oh no, Zach's not going to be able to start this week. So because Zach isn't able to start this week, it's like, okay, let's go back to Mike White. The Miami Dolphins aren't the Buffalo Bills. It's a tough cover zero defense, but it's not. I mean, it should give Mike White fits just like it would give Zach Wilson fits, but they're not the Buffalo Bills. My thought process that I had right off the bat was, you know, if Mike White starts this next game against the Miami Dolphins and he at home pulls out a game like he did against the Cincinnati Bengals, that like we didn't see this coming. We didn't expect this. We know Mike White is limited in what he can do, but suddenly out of nowhere, Mike White, because the Cincinnati Bengals are a really good team. The Cincinnati Bengals are a really good defense. But if Mike White pulled out, and I know he dinked and dunked, but if he pulled out that kind of performance against Cincinnati and then suddenly he pulls that performance out of his you know where against the Miami Dolphins. All of those headlines that we all talked about, about, oh, maybe Mike White's it, maybe Mike White's the answer, they're all back on the table. It's all back to how can the Jets move on from Mike White after he led the Jets to a victory over the Bills? How can the Jets move on from Mike White after he threw for X number of yards against the or against the Miami Dolphins? I'm sorry. How can they move on after he threw X amount of yards against the Miami Dolphins? Look at how the teammates love him. Look at all of those storylines that were just squashed and, and thrown in the kibosher against the Buffalo Bills because of how bad he looked against the Buffalo Bills. They are now brought out, polished, and put back on the on the, on the the mantle because he looks so good against the Miami Dolphins, right? That suddenly he's back. And all of a sudden, now the argument comes back. Look, Mike White had one bad game against a really good defense. Look what he did against the Dolphins. Look what he did for two series against the Colts. Look what he did against the Cincinnati Bengals. You can't put him on the bench. And then if you do, if he does have a really good game against the Miami Dolphins, 
And then you put him on the bench for Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson goes out there against the Houston Texans and he struggles because he hasn't played football in a month and maybe he's still not 100% and he throws two or three interceptions and the Jets somehow lose to the Texans. Everyone and their uncle, every sports talk caller that is calling it a WFN or ESPN New York, everyone is going to be, is there going to be a loud contingency calling for Mike White? So the only way to ensure that storyline never happens, the only way to ensure that never comes to fruition, the only way to nip that in the bud and know that after this week, you can go to Zach Wilson without any criticism, without anyone calling for Mike White, without anyone saying anything to the contrary, disagreeing with the decision to go back to Zach is to start the 37-year-old quarterback who no one wants to see starting. So by the Jets starting Joe Flacco, whether he throws for 300 yards and beats the Dolphins or whether he throws for five interceptions and the Jets lose by 20, against the Houston Texans, everyone is going to want to see Zach Wilson. They're not going to want to see Joe Flacco because he's old. They're not going to want to see Mike White because their last memory of Mike White was a 33 quarterback rating of four interceptions against the Buffalo Bills. They'll want Zach Wilson. That, the possibility, there's a possibility that that is not the case if you start Mike White against the Miami Dolphins and Mike White goes out there and plays really, really well. So I think this is kind of the, the best of both worlds for the Jets. They get to throw a quarterback out there who they believe can perform at a competent level. Because again, they, they're not throwing like uh, Joe Flacco out there to expect Joe Flacco to just get his ass kicked. Like they know Joe Flacco can still play some semblance of quarterback. He's a veteran. He has that experience. He still has arm talent. It's not like he's completely broken down. He is a quarterback who can go out there and effectively run an offense in spot duty. He's a good backup quarterback right now. That's the truth. Like Joe Flacco is a good backup quarterback right now. So they know they can throw him out there and he can effectively run the offense at a competent level. He can be competent. That's what they hope. That's what they think. So there's still plenty of quarterback out there who can be competent. They're still leaving open the door for Zach Wilson to return without anyone criticizing him, without anyone hating him, without anyone doing anything. They can throw him out there, and he can play against the, the, the Houston Texans next week. So they got all that working in their favor. They got all that going in their favor. So in my opinion, this was you check all boxes. You go to Joe Flacco. You get the experience. You can still sit Mike White. You can go back to Zach Wilson. It's the best of both worlds. Because if they had started Mike White against the Dolphins and somehow he blew up again like he did against the Bengals, every storyline that the Jets didn't want to want, they're all back. And it's all back again. You don't want a Joe Flacco quarterback controversy, Connor? <laughs> no. All right. I mean, well, I honestly, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> we have a lot more to get to, and we are going to put on our uh, teacher caps and give out some grades, some rookie report cards coming up. Um, and we're also going to talk about how the Jets can fix the defense, not this year, but in the offseason. So we will get to that after this break. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Uh, one of the fun things that comes from a 17 game schedule is you get two weeks to do like mid season things. You get between eight and nine, then between uh, nine and 10, I guess. Anyway, because of that, we uh, we did it before a little bit of midterm stuff. Now we're going to do rookies. Uh, Connor, you have a story up on The Athletic. Um, check that out. People, you can save 33% off a subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash can't wait. You can read the article. But basically, you graded all of this year's rookies at this point, which is granted very early to be grading NFL rookies, but it's never too early to start up discussions like this. And I will say, big picture-wise, when you look at the overall breakdown of this rookie class, early on it is shaping up to be better than the 2020 class and what, what has happened with with that draft class from Joe Douglas. But let us uh, I'll say before we start, there's four of these players that you went uh, not available, basically, because of they, they just haven't had yeah. a chance because of injuries or playing time or whatever. That is Sherwood Pinnock. Nasrildin and Marshall, all of those guys aren't getting grades in this exercise. But let's start at the top, work our way through. Um, some are good, some are bad. We'll start with the bad, which is Zach Wilson. You gave him a D, Connor. I'm just gonna weigh in on what I if I agree or disagree on your things, and then you can kind of share your opinion. But I'm yeah. I'm on board with the D for Zach Wilson. I don't think it's fair to like fail the guy based on the fact that he is a rookie, had to start from day one, but also he hasn't been good. So D seems like the, the spot to put him. Yeah. Like I, I, I this is, this is, I, I, I've seen now on social media, there is like a, or on my Twitter mentions, which I, I give myself like one day a week where I'll randomly go in there and look, it was, it was blocktober this past Sunday. Like I got pretty freaking pissed. Like there was like some, some like, Oh, this is why you're, you're going to bat for, Oh, what happened to him losing the locker room now over Mike white Connor? I thought he was losing lives. Like, dude, 
they listen, like these people, these the the these people drive me like though, and these are like I I genuinely like my Twitter followers a lot. Like I I a lot of them are very very good good and they're fun and they're interactive. Some of them are very funny. I enjoy it, but the ones that just don't read and don't listen and just grab a headline and then just berate me in my mentions over it. If you listen to anything I said about Mike White or anything we said about Mike White, Tim, everything was predicated on if he plays well against Buffalo, dot, 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 dot. And when it was the week before, it was if he plays well against Indianapolis and Buffalo, dot, 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 dot. Like, that's what everything started with. So when it went from like that, all of a sudden he played shitty against Buffalo, it was like, okay, well, they're everything out now. Now it doesn't matter. Like, now they go back to Zach. Now it doesn't matter. The players have seen him suck. Like, if he went out against Buffalo and threw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and the Jets lost by one touchdown, or the Jets won the game, guess what? Mike White's starting this week against the Dolphins. And if you look good against the Dolphins, he's starting the next week against the Texans. But he didn't, so they pulled him out of the lineup. Like, that was it. So I know people are going to take all of that, me saying, like, basically, literally what I reported on and talked to people in the building and, like, gathered my information for and then reported for you guys. Like, what? Like, to take that and be like, oh, you hate Zach Wilson. Dude, I don't hate Zach Wilson. Like, Zach Wilson being good is good for me. Period. Like, that's that's the truth. If the Jets have a franchise quarterback, everyone wants to read. Everyone wants to listen. The Jets are a playoff and Super Bowl contender, and I might actually cover a Super Bowl for the first time in my life. So I want Zach Wilson to be a freaking stud, truthfully. That is honestly how I feel. I want Zach Wilson to be a stud. That's how I want this thing to work. But based off of what he did in his first six starts, I don't know how you can go better than a D. I mean, the guy went 1-5 in five as a starter. He was completing 57.5% of his passes through for just, just under 1,200 yards, four touchdowns. And at the time when he left the lineup, he had thrown a league-leading league-leading nine interceptions, quarterback rating of 63.5. He was trying to play hero ball. He looked out of place. I think more than anything else, he just looked like he wasn't ready. And that's a little alarming because during training camp, during preseason, during OTAs, during minicamp, the one thing that we said over and over and over again based off of our observations was that he did look ready. It didn't look too big for him. He didn't look like a fish out of water. He didn't always make the right decision. He wasn't always perfect, but he looked like a starting NFL quarterback right then. And then after a year, two years, three years, that's when you can reach that franchise quarterback potential. We haven't seen that during his first stint. Now, maybe him sitting back and watching, maybe him getting a chance to see Mike White have success in this offense. Uh, Josh Johnson have success in this offense. Potentially Joe Flacco have success in this offense on on Sunday. Maybe we will get to the point where he says, okay, you know what? The hero ball I played in high school, the hero ball I played in college, the hero ball that was not successful the first six weeks of my NFL tenure, I don't always have to do that. To pitch my repertoire, I can go to it, but I just want to play within the structure of this offense. I'll have success, and then I can bring out that hero ball when I really, really need it, like Aaron Rodgers does. I was going to say Pat Mahomes, but Pat Mahomes tends to play that hero ball a lot, and Pat Mahomes is not getting in trouble with it this year, but I can pull that out when I need it but I don't have to live and die by it. And this is not to say that that come week 18, we're not looking at this and saying, hey, he's now a C plus or hey, he's a B or maybe he's an A. Like, oh, wow, Zach Wilson really took that time off, benefited, learned and turned it around. Like, wow, maybe he really did like turn this around and it helped him. But at this point through six games, I don't know how you look at his record as a starter, his completion percentage, his yards, his touchdowns, his interceptions, his quarterback rating and give him anything better than a D. I just don't know how. And that's not saying he's going to be a terrible quarterback. That's not saying he's going to be an awful quarterback. That's not saying he stinks. It just means that right now he's struggling, but there's a lot of time left and you can easily turn it around. All right. A lot of people were critical. Well, I don't That's not fair. Some people were critical about the Jets trading up and losing draft capital to get Elijah Vera Tucker where they did. Um, that is looking at this point, like the gem of the draft. Uh, you gave him an A. I think that's absolutely fair. He's, He's been steady. He's been there. He's played every game, which is something we we can't say about the guy they took in the first round the year before him. Um, so, yeah, he's been everything they wanted and more. Better. I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The Jets, the Jets internally think this guy's an all-pro. I'm just being completely transparent. The Jets internally, everyone I have talked to, think this guy is an all-pro. Like, he's, they, they think he's a pro bowler now. Obviously, with offensive linemen, you need the notoriety. Like, if the Jets were good, he's probably a pro bowler. If there are more cameras on the Jets, he's probably a, more, a pro bowler. I know they're still the New York, but still they're a bad football team. It's kind of similar to Quinnen last year. Like, Quinnen played at a pro bowl level last year, but he played on a team that won two games, so he's probably not going to be a pro bowler. Once people take note of Elijah Vera Tucker, he's going to be a pro bowler. Like, this guy is, is already playing at that level. He has limit. I mean, you saw there was a play last Sunday where the Bills brought a blitz, and Elijah Vera Tucker picked up two people and allowed Mike White to find the open guy. He picked up two people. 
Like I haven't seen. I, I mean, it's it honestly at times it's a tr- it, it's a struggle to find Jets offensive linemen blocking anyone, and Elijah Vera Tucker's blocking two people. Like that was ridiculous. I mean, the guy's remarkably intelligent. He's remarkably athletic. He's remarkably good already, and he's only going to get better. And and you know, Salah dropped the comment to us a couple weeks ago where he said, you know, he walks into Joe Douglas's office a couple times a week and thanks him for trading up to draft Elijah Vera Tucker. This guy is a staple on their offense. He's going to be a staple on their offense for a very, very long time. I mean, you're talking about somebody that has Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin-like potential. That's what the Jets believe they have here in Elijah Vera Tucker, and they are thrilled to have him. Elijah Moore, you give him a C. I think that's that's slightly harsh. I would say B-. minus. The reason I say that is because I think the injury was a big factor in, in the slow start that he got off to and playing with a rookie quarterback who was struggling. So I would give him a little more boost because the last few weeks, he's looked good. He's looked like, I think, what we expected him to look, maybe a, a little less explosive, but he, he's looked like the guy that's becoming what the Jets want him to be. So I'd probably say B, B-, minus, but you go C. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's fair. I mean, I just took into consideration the first few games where, where he yeah. really didn't do anything. And you can blame the injury. You can blame those. You can blame the the losing a chunk of training camp, not playing at all in the preseason. I mean, you can blame all of that. But, I mean, I still took that into consideration, plus then his strong start the last couple of weeks. Now, like you said, and I think you're right, I believe that he's taken off recently because the Jets have had competent quarterback play with the exception of that Bills game where they had a quarterback out there making throws against the Cincinnati Bengals. They had a quarter quarterbacks out there making throws against the Indianapolis Colts. Now they're hoping they have that again here with Joe Flacco against the Miami Dolphins. And I think if they do, you'll see Elijah Moore continue to make receptions, continue to make plays, continue to make things down the field and 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 show why he's so talented. Um what I'm fascinated to watch is that when Zach Wilson is inserted back in the lineup against the Texans, does Elijah Moore's play continue to to on this upward trajectory, is it there? But the only reason I gave C is just because of, of taking into consideration the first half of the season, which was probably a D, and then the second half of the season that we've seen the last couple of weeks, which is probably a B plus B, and then just kind of merging them together for your average. So uh, he's a guy that, that like Zach Wilson, I believe you could see his, dra- his grade dramatically change by the end of the season because I think that I, I've, been, I've been on the record with this. I think he is a tremendous football player. I mean, I think he's a great football player. I think if the Jets were playing him in his more natural position, that slot – he would be doing even more, but I think you've got a really, really special guy in Elijah Moore, and it's just a matter of him taking off and 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 getting more opportunities and getting more comfortable and figuring out NFL defensive backs and and realizing how detailed you have to be. You know, where a route at nine yards in college doesn't work the same as a route that needs to be run at eight yards in the NFL. So, um, I I can see your argument. I can see anyone's argument for that one. I just like I said, I looked at kind of the totality of it and and believe this is a grade that's going to change by the end of the year. All right, the Michael Carters, you gave them both Bs, and Bs fair, and but these guys, I mean, when you look at where they went in the draft, right, um, the running back, fourth round, cornerback, fifth round, especially Michael Carter, the the cornerback, these are good picks. I mean, I, this is one where I'll tip my cap to Joe Douglas. I think those are, the way those guys have played as rookies, especially the cornerback in the fifth round, um, good job by him. You give them both Bs. Yeah, I think we'll go. Yeah, we'll, we'll start there with then the Michael Carter, the cornerback. Um, I remember like when when the Jets drafted him. Reading Dane's The Beast, Brugler's The Beast, like about him and, and Dane had him ranked as like a priority free agent. Like that's how he ranked him. And then I went and I read like the NFL.com draft scouting profile. I mean, they had him as like a seventh round pick priority free agent as well. And I was like, wow, OK, the Jets took him in the fifth round, like not sixth not seven. They drafted this guy in the fifth round above some other big names. And when the draft ended, I remember I was talking to Sala and he said, he goes, you know, Connor of, of all the players we drafted, I was like, I was like, I was, take the quarterback out of it. I was like, obviously everyone's going to say Zach Wilson. I was like, dude, I was like, of all, of all the players you've taken, who in your opinion is like the one that you're most excited to get? Like, who's the one where you're like, wow. And he said, Michael Carter, the defensive back. He said like, this guy is athletic. He's ridiculously fast. He's a dude who just loves football. And when you watch him play, he is physical and intense and the motor is endless. And Michael Carter was the guy that he was most excited to get on his team. And you've seen why. I mean, he battled for that slot position throughout the summer with Javelin Gidry. The Jets have given it to him. And and as bad as this secondary has been, Carter has been really, really good. And look, he's not an outside corner. He's not ever going to be a guy that I think is like a, a, a five-time pro bowl or all pro or anything like that. But he is a corner who is going to start in the slot nickel position for the next 10 years. And he's going to be a second contract guy with the Jets. And he's going to be a really, really good football player for them. And and I mean, to find him 
in the fifth round, kind of trust your scouting department when a lot of people are like, no, that's more of a free agent and then see him perform immediately the way that he has, I think was is, is absolutely, as you said, it's a feather in Douglas's cap. And then when you go to the other Michael Carter, the running back, you're starting to see what the Jets love most about him. Now they view him as kind of like a, someone you eventually pair in the backfield. Like I know he's technically paired right now with Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. The Jets, that's not their their stopgap place fillers. Like the Jets do eventually want oh, to. You just call it Terp, a space filler. Oh yeah, sorry, Marissa's about to. Yeah, I'm gonna get I, unacceptable. Marissa Connor. might kick me out with more animosity than when I started trashing Taylor Swift and and the fact that maybe she needs to look internally for why she keeps getting dumped. Um, but I would say that I get booted. I don't have Streamyard up. No here. Maryland okay, insults on this podcast. No, but I'm the t- I'm all about the Taylor Swift slander. That pisses me off so much. I was reading that stuff about them all coming off of Jake Gyllenhaal now because Taylor Swift wrote like a 10-minute song because they dated for three months. That's how long my first relationship lasted with Deanna Foley. Set three months. Dated Deanna for three months and she broke my heart. I didn't write a song about her. And I guess you know, 15 years later, we're both married and now I'm talking about her on a podcast. So and now you're talking equivalent. about yeah. her on a podcast. Yeah. If anyone knows that girl, tell her she just got mentioned on yeah, don't, 37 don't do minutes in. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, continue. No, but what the Jets do believe in, in Michael Carter is they think he's a guy that's shifty. They think he's a really good football player, and they think he's going to be a guy that has a role on this team for a very, very long time. What they want to eventually do, though, is pair him with somebody. It's probably, Like I said, it's probably going to come next year against someone in the draft. I could see him drafting a running back in the second round or the third round. And they'll have that one-two punch with Michael Carter and somebody else with them. Like they think that, like that's ideally where they see those two guys working together. Where you got Carter as a mix, almost like kind of like what the Patriots have right now, where they have Damon uh, Harris and Stevenson, where you have both of those running backs, where one guy gets like 15 carries, the other guy gets 10, something like that, and it can alternate each week. That's what the Jets eventually want to do with Carter to pair him with somebody. I mean, it's not like I don't think Carter is like a star in the NFL. It's not like he's going to be a guy who runs for 1,300, 1,400 yards, but he's a really good football player, and he's a football player that's going to be like very involved for a very long time. So um, I would say that uh, that's another really good pick, though. The fact that you were able to get a starter in the fourth round, somebody that's going to have a role in this team for a while in the fourth round, I think he's a good one. You've seen him obviously play well, and it's it's the shiftiness. It's the broken tackles where he's got something like, uh, where is it? He's got 22 forced tackles already per pro football focus, which is 14th most in the NFL. Remember, he hasn't run the ball that much. He hasn't called all that many passes, and he plays in a backfield committee where Coleman gets touches and and uh, and Ty Johnson gets touches as well. But the 367 rushing yards, 306 receiving yards, I mean, you can see he's a dual threat, and he's somebody that's that's a pretty good pickup. I and mean, whenever you can find somebody like that in the fourth round, it's a, it's a feather in a cap. All right, one more. That's Brandon Eccles. You give him a D. Um, he was a sixth-round pick. He's found his way into the lineup. I, I would say I would almost want to give him a C just because of where he went, but I, I realize he's not playing good football. Just the fact that this guy was a sixth-round pick and in his rookie season he's in the lineup, that probably says more about the rest of the roster than anything else, but you gave him a D. Yeah, I mean, this this I'll be honest, of all the draft, of all the 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 rookie grades I handed out of all of them. This is the one that no joke. I struggled with the most. Like this is the one where I was like, man, you look at the numbers, right? And I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a firm, firm believer in pro football focus grades. Like I'm not like, Oh, that's the be all and end all. But you, I look at it and I glance at it. I look more at like their analytical data, but he's got a pro football focus grade of 42.2, right? Quarterbacks have thrown at him 43. This is the numbers that I actually look at and pay attention to with corners. Quarterbacks have thrown at him 43 times. They've completed 28 for 375 yards with a touchdown and a rating of 100.4. He's also been penalized twice. That's not good. Like, that's really bad. Like, that's that's really, really, really bad. However, he's also a sixth-round pick starting in the NFL. Like, what do you expect from a sixth-round? Like, like, there are sixth-round picks that get cut and stashed on practice squads. And the Jets have their sixth-round pick starting at arguably the most important position in the NFL. Right. Like, so I'm, I'm like, I'm one of the most important, the most important position on defense aside from pass rusher, probably top three most important positions on a roster when you loop in quarterback and left tackle. I, I just, it was a tough one. So, and what I ended up doing is I was like, look, he's starting in the NFL. Let's just grade him based on the performance and, and we'll give him a slight little tick up because that's probably F performance is what we've seen so far. <laughs> yeah, give him a okay. D because he's a sixth, yeah, because he's a sixth round pick playing and, and you're starting in the NFL. So, uh, the Jets do like him, though. I mean, as a player they like, they think he has some upside. And and the him and Hall and, and Carter are all guys they believe has like, have, like, legitimate number two potential in, on a defensive secondary, which is pretty good considering none of those guys were drafted before the third round. Yeah, he's a guy clearly over his head. But 
should be over his head at this point in his career. We'll see if yeah. he develops uh, going forward. All right, we're going to take another short break. We'll come back with a look ahead to how they fix the defense in the offseason and our picks right after this. As much as we talk about the quarterbacks, everybody knows the real, real problem with this team is the defense. And when you look at it, there's not a lot of hope that it's going to get any better this year. And it's going to take a while because there's, we've said it, Connor, there's so few players on this defense that should be starting for a defense in the NFL. So let's look big picture. Let's take a big picture glance at 2022. And how does this defense get to a respectable level with one off season and Joe Douglas free agency draft? What do they have to do? Yeah, I, so both, but I think that like, so I've, the priority this offseason is going to be the defense. That I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm breaking news by saying that. But the Jets are well aware of they spend a lot of time and resources on offense to start. Now they're going to have to invest a lot of time and resources in the defense now. And, and the reasoning for it is, is they need to be able to stop people. They need to be able to have a defense out there that can keep these games to one or two scores. And then you rely on your offense to make up those one or two scores. And right now they don't have that. And they... They might have had the potential for that if Marcus May was healthy and Joyner was healthy and Carl Lawson didn't rupture his Achilles. Like if they were a fully healthy and Bryce Huff didn't get hurt and and John Franklin Myers wasn't dealing with some nicks and bruises right now. Like if everyone was healthy, they might have had a defense that was at least serviceable because you saw that the first few games of the season. You saw a defense that was serviceable early on there, and that was without Lawson. So you'll add Lawson to the mix, and you've actually got some makings of of not a good defense, but one that can at least keep keep the sh- you know it won't be the reason you're losing football games. But once they got hit with all the injuries that they did and they lose Joyner, like I said, they lose Lawson, they lose May, which was a huge blow. You lose Huff. You got John Franklin Myers dealing with issues now. You put yourself in a position where now you have a defense that basically is not functional. And that's a problem. So the Jets need to completely, the Jets need to invest in the defense. And I don't mean like their first five draft picks need to go that way. I don't think that I think they'll use, you know, one of the first couple on. I think they should still try to bolster the offensive line with one of those two first round picks. I think they should add a pass rusher with those two first round picks. If the right receivers there, I could see him going receiver with the first two picks. But I actually think you're going to see them go free agency more than anything else. And and I like what the Jets have at on the defensive line as is like, I don't think you, you can add a pass rusher. And I think they will. I think they're going to add a pass rusher earlier in the draft, but I don't think you need to. I think the linebackers you can make work with too, whether CJ Mosley comes back or not. You add, you know, a, a middle tier free agent, or you add someone in the fourth round or fifth round. Like, I mean, I think you can make the linebackers work as well. The Jets also love Hamza. They love Sherwood. We want to see those guys develop and take the next step. So I think the linebacker can be fine. I think the defensive line can be fine with one more pass rusher, but even if not, I think they're good. The area that needs almost a complete overhaul is the secondary. Like they they need top to bottom to really, really, really rework the secondary. And I think the biggest thing that they need to get, and, and this this is one of the things that I, I thought of, and, and and this was watching the the Patriots game yesterday, um, or whenever you're listening to it, the Thursday night game between the Patriots and, and watching Jackson play corner for the Patriots. The Jets have three corners right now in... J.C. Jackson, Terp, just... Did he, is he Maryland guy? I didn't know that. Yes. There you go. Oh, well... Proud. There you go. Probably the second best Terp. To, I, I, he's a really good player, and, and that Michael Dunn dude over in Cleveland. Best defensive. Good. But like, uh, other than that, I mean, I said I, I meant to ask you, Marissa. I think that uh, that Tugavailoa Heisman hype train has come to a screeching halt, huh? Yeah. Um, That's not happening anymore. Not, did that train ever yeah, leave the, the station? This... It did. It was like week three. Well, Marissa's like, he's a Heisman hopeful. I was like, oh wow, he's looking really good. Next game, he threw like five picks. Marissa yeah, um, it, it, this season has gone as a lot of Maryland football seasons have gone. Lots of hype and then just slowly breaking your heart. Maryland football but, is what, well, now Syracuse football is the same way. It's like, give me a few good yeah. games to get me to basketball season. Well, yeah, oh, get me nice. to basketball season. We so. just were ranked number 20 in the country and then we lose to George Mason. So Maryland basketball does the same thing to me. Gives my... uh heart uh pain but still love them still will always cheer for them okay continue sorry to interrupt but just had to let the chat know that i i texted yeah that's fine um <laughs> i uh so the the jets had like the jets i i'm not i'm not like yanking anyone's chain here on this one like the jets genuinely do like brandon eccles they really do like bryce hall they really do like mike carter 
However, when they assess those guys, I mean, they pretty much see number two corners. Like they see guys who, when they develop, when they reach their potential, they're number twos. The one problem, though, is that of that grouping of those three, of all those players, there really isn't a guy that just goes and gets the football. You know what I mean? Like when you watch Jackson in New England, like that guy might get beat sometimes. That guy might not be the most physically gifted. He's not Jalen Ramsey. Like he's not Patrick Peterson in his prime. But like he just finds the football and gets the football. Like Bryce Hall has been in a position to get interceptions this year. He just hasn't done it. Eccles has been in a position to get the interceptions this year, hasn't done it. Carter has been in a position to make plays, force fumbles, get interceptions this year, just hasn't done it. And that's not a knock on those guys. There's just something innate. There's something God-given that some players just find the football. And I think what this Jets cornerback situation, I think you can live if you have Bryce Hall and Eccles competing for your outside corner spot, one of your outside corner spots. Then you have Mike Carter as, as your solidified, no doubt, nickel corner. But you need to add a legitimate number one corner or at least a, a a really, really good corner who finds the football, who gets the football, a guy who goes out there and comes away with five or six interceptions each season just because he finds the football. And maybe he gets beat a couple times, but he gets those turnovers. He gets those game-changing plays. The Jets don't have that player on the roster. And I know everyone like rips and they rip into Joe Douglas, right, for his roster building. And, and I've been one of those people that has criticized him. The one area then I will never criticize him, though, and I, I, will, I will very quickly say this, and this is just kind of a little bit off the beat in secondary because people will say, like, well, why didn't they sign one of those guys in free agency this year? Why didn't they go out and go get that corner? Why didn't they do that in free agency? This was the one year where, yeah, the Jets needed a corner, and if there was a corner out there, they would have signed him. The player wasn't there. I mean, the two best guys were Dory Jackson and Griffin. I looked up these numbers the other day. Griffin, who went inside in Jacksonville, he's been targeted 43 times. He's allowed 30 catches, 317 yards, and two touchdowns. Jackson, who signed with the Giants, has been targeted 50 times, allowed 31 catches, 270 yards, and two scores. Eccles, 43 targets. He's allowed 28 catches, 375 touchdown. Hall, 41 targets, allowed 26, 337, and three touchdowns. So it's not like there's that dramatic of a difference between those guys that got these absurd contracts who most players, Jets included, viewed Jackson and Griffin as really good number two corners. And the two guys that the Jets had already, the one they drafted in Eccles and Hall, who they had returning, who they viewed as a number two corner. Their problem is that they need, they need to go. Hold on one second. Alexa, stop. I got like the Brees set this thing up where like it does a, a Friday playlist. So like every, like at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock on a Friday, like it starts singing. And crap, so I hear it out of, like, the corner of my ears. Like, she's talking to herself in the family room about how, like, let's get your Friday started. And I'm like, all right, like, let's bring this back in now. Like, like I'm trying to talk here. <laughs> but, like, the Jets, the reason why the Jets didn't go out there and spend big money on Griffin, the reason they didn't go out and spend big money on Jackson is they viewed them as number twos. They thought they already had number twos. They want number ones. Where that's coming, in my opinion, I think you're going to see the Jets try to sign someone in free agency. I know... Uh, the name's escaping me, like the ridiculous corner that's in the draft. There's a corner. That's the draft. The thing with corners in the NFL draft, though, is that you generally have, um, like with cornerbacks in the NFL draft, a lot of times they're like, they take time to develop. So the Jets need their guy now. They need a number one corner now. Cornerbacks, when you draft them, sometimes take two years before they really start to hit their stride three years before they really started to hit their stride. Very rarely do you have a corner like like Ramsey did, where he's just drafted and he's like, I'm a stud, I'm ready. So I think what you're going to have is the Jets have Eccles and the Jets have Hall. I think next year you're going to have those two guys compete for one of the outside corner spots. Carter is your stationary, he's your nickel. Then I think you're going to have the Jets sign someone in free agency who is going to be they're outside, get the ball, number one corner. I think that immediately takes that cornerback situation and completely changes it. Stephon Gilmore is supposed to be a free agent. Marshawn Lattimore, for what I'm looking at here in this free, as long as this thing's updated, the top free agents, like Mar Marshawn Lattimore, another corner I could see the Jets going there. Carlton Davis, maybe, I don't know. Um, but he's, those are the two. Like Stephon Gilmore, Lattimore, if he doesn't get re-signed, those are the two guys that I could see the Jets going out there and trying to get because I think those. I know Stephon Gilmore is a little older, but even if it's on a three-year deal with Joe Douglas likes to hand out, that's the guy that this secondary is missing. Your number one corner who's going to go out there and get the football. You got to take care of that. Then you can also add, like I said, the pass rusher in the draft. The safety situation, the Jets had two good safeties when the season began. They had Joyner and they had May. 
Both those guys are on the injured reserve. Now you got Ashton Davis, who's basically a rookie again and running into some problems. So if you really want to rebuild this defense in 2021, which I think you're going to see the Jets invest resources in the draft there, you're going to see the Jets target guys in free agency. It starts with getting a number one ball hawking corner who's going to find the football. That's number one. You've got to get that. I think you need to add another pass rusher where then you can really start to see that Robert Sala defensive line come to fruition where you'll have Carl Lawson and that stud pass rusher on the opposite side, which I think they'll end up drafting. Then you got John Franklin Myers in the rotation, Quinn and Williams in the rotation, Sheldon Rankins if the Jets bring him back in the rotation, Bryce Huff in the rotation. You'll have that defensive line constantly getting after it. And then the linebackers, I think you can see Sherwood try to take the next step, Hamza try to take the next step. I'll see. I'm curious if they bring back CJ Mosley. I think they should. And then you'll see that defense look entirely different. But I think the problem, the biggest problem the Jets had is they had a not good, but they had a serviceable defense entering the season. On paper. And then the number of injuries that they've had has just taken that and pff, blown it up and has just completely turned that around, which is a shame. Yeah, it's it's certainly a shame. And they are they are bad. We'll see if they can stop the bleeding a little bit this week. All right, picks time. Um, things are slipping away a little bit, Connor, for not just yeah, me I'm, now. I'm in a disaster too. right now. Marissa oh. is on a roll. So last week, Marissa went two and one. I went two and one. Oh, and three for you to drop you under 500 for the year. So Dude, the I was standings, nine and one. I was nine and one. That's what's even more impressive. I was nine yeah. and one to start. I hope you didn't spend all that money when you were nine and one. Like the turtle, it's not how you start, it's how no, you I'm, finish. I'm in the negatives now, man. I've got a couple like uh, futures bets that are out there that I am hanging on to, praying they come through. Because if that happens, I'll make all of my money back. But if not, I'm I'm gonna be like, whew. It's gonna be uh it's it's a rough one. And like I said, I'm not one of those people that just like says, hey, bet this. And and this is like, I'm putting my money on these bets that I'm saying. So as I have crashed and burned in ridiculously glorious fashion, I have crashed and burned in ridiculously glorious fashion. If you guys are following me, like you no should start new. fading me, fade me, fade me. I'm just telling you guys to do it. I'm trying to get these right. But the rut that I'm in, I've been sports betting since it's been legal. This is my fourth year. And and I it's never been this bad before. Like I am in a rut. But like they say, keep swinging, right? Eventually you hit one out of the park. That's what they no say. No new iron set for Connor this year. Uh, no. So the overall standings, oh, no. Marissa 16 and I 11. Sell my Connor irons. 13 and 14. I am 11, 15 and one. I continue to blame that on the baby. Uh, so you're up first, Marissa. All right. So I'm going to go. My first two games have a lot of uh, AFC uh, playoff implications. So I'm going to go. The Colts have been looking really good, but I believe in the Bills. So I'm going to go Bills minus seven versus the Colts. Um, this next one will be very interesting. Um, Steelers at Chargers. I mean, we still don't know if Big Ben's going to be back. The Steelers almost lost to the Lions last week, but I, the Chargers haven't been looking great either. So yeah, well, that, they that got a popper curse, by the way, your little Maryland Terp popper curse. Dan <laughs> Popper anointed Herbert. And he sent us in our private text about how he's so excited to cover a winning team and then said, NFL, yeah. look out, he's back. Justin Herbert's throwing like five interceptions and the charge have won one game since that popper column. So you can blame your Turp boy for cursing him and me for continuing to invest my money in the Chargers thinking they're going to win and they don't. So Yeah, yeah. so I'm actually going to go Steelers plus six and a half here. I don't think Ooh. they'll necessarily win, but six and a half, I think they will cover. So Steelers plus six and a half. And then this is the game of the week. Uh, Cowboys at Chiefs um, should be a good one, but... I don't know. I think the Cowboys are looking pretty good. So I'm going to go Cowboys minus two and a half versus Kansas City. I'm I'm not touching the Chiefs the rest of the year. They're just, uh, <laughs> I don't know what they are. Like, right. I when, got them when they, uh, I kept they picking covered, them. So. Yeah. I kept picking yeah. them and they kept not covering. And then finally, I went the other way and they got it together. I don't, I don't know what they are. Uh, all right, Connor, yeah. you're up. Oh, I'm, I'm sending a tweet. All right, I'll go. go first, Tim. Yeah, you go first. Sorry. <laughs> Bills. Yeah, sorry, I was finding a tweet that we're doing these. Uh, I, I agree with uh, Marissa on the Bills. Uh, minus seven at home against Indy. Just seems like the Bills got their swagger back against the Jets, which, you know, it is what it is. But seven points seems fair there. Um, Packers Vikings is an interesting one. It's in Minnesota, um, but I'll take the Packers minus one and a half. And then I hate going with double digit favorites, but the Bucks were so embarrassed a week ago. They're playing the Giants at home. I, I have to believe they come out and just roll over New York. So minus 10 and a half, I'll take the Bucks. 
All right, I'm up. Like I said, fade my picks. I'm putting my money on these guys. So like, don't, like I said, I'm not leading you guys astray. So if we lose money, we lose money together. But if you want to fade me, I mean, you'd it be doesn't like make retiring. It <laughs> no, but it, I feel, no, that's the thing though, is I hate these people that sometimes say like they're, like I was listening to, I forget, WFAN, Mark Malusis had a uh, betting expert on it. I did like how he was like, I'm not, he goes, I've already put my money in. So I'm like, okay, you're actually betting these with Because some people give picks and they don't put their money on them. Yep. And it's like, like, uh, like the uh, people who do a lot of picks for like the paper. Like they do picks for paper, like, oh, these are my three best bets. But if you're not putting your money on it, you're just throwing shit against the wall. Like I suffer these things with you guys. So if you guys are following me, like I'm hoping we turn this shit around. Like I've been it's He's been just justifying. I life. would I mean but this I'm is on like the wrong 0 and side three, like three river, times in the last so four weeks. And the other ones have been one and two. I did I will say, like last second I threw two more bets and I hit on the Eagles. I did be I did bet that one. And unfortunately I was like, nah, Browns are gonna beat the Patriots. They stink. And then of course that's why the Browns lost. So like I think I said on Monday's show, like I'm sorry, Michael. That was that was my bad. I, I totally ruined you guys, your hopes. Uh so what are we gonna go with here? I am going to go against the Eagles now. I think that their issue the, the thing with the Eagles really? They're playing yeah. this uh, Trevor Simeon and the Saints. And that defense is also nasty. And I think seven mm-hmm. Simeon, I think Simeon's a decent enough quarterback. And and they, I mean, okay. that team almost won. Like they almost didn't the Saints almost beat the Titans last week? Isn't yeah. that who the Saints played, right? Yeah, the Saints took yeah. the Titans, the eight and two Titans yeah. down to the wire. They were a two point conversion away from tying that one on the road. So like the Titans with Simeon, like Simeon's playing some good football, and and the Eagles, people really, really, really need to get the Eagles under control. They are not a good football team. The Eagles are a team that beats up really bad football teams. You look at their the Denver Broncos are an atrocity. I know that like they caught the Cowboys in a trap game like nothing else, but the Broncos are an atrocity. That's why the Eagles won. When they play a good team. They lose to good teams, whether they're home or whether they're away. And Trevor Simeon and Sean Payton, look, he's a quarterback guru, but that Saints defense is nasty. Like, that is a nasty Saints defense. They'll have a, a – so I think they're going to have something in, in store for, for – uh, Just for Jan- reference, the Saints lost the week before that to the Falcons. So, just so before you start getting on the, the Saints hype train. Um, I'm they, a believer in they, the Saints. Saints are 5-4. and four. Okay. Saints are 5-4. and four. They're a good football team. And they were doing okay. that with Jameis, who stinks. Anyway – Back to my point. The Eagles are not a good football team. I don't think they're a good football team. The fact you're getting the Saints end points plus two, I like that. If that ever goes to plus three, I'd like that even more. I don't know what the line opened up at, but I do like the Saints, so I like that one against the Eagles. Like I said, I would actually take the money line there just because I think the, I, I don't think I, I just think the Eagles lose to better teams, and that Saints defense is really really good. So give me them. The other one that I like, and unfortunately I've lost some money on these guys before, but I'm going to continue to go down in the boat believing they are a good football team is the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Uh, They're favored by one and a half right now against Raiders. I like one and a half lines. I think it's pretty rare that a team in the NFL wins by one point. So usually it's two, usually it's three. I mean, a field goal win in overtime, at least you cover that one. So the Raiders have... Actually, it's been pretty remarkable what the Raiders have done, considering what happened with John Gruden, considering what happened with Henry Ruggs. Now, they also cut their first-round pick corner, the guy they, they cut a little bit ago. So um, I just think that eventually that ship's got to that, that, that's hit a wall. Like, like, there's only so much drama that you can handle before eventually it starts to take an, it takes an impact on you. They might still be reeling from that loss, that ugly loss they had to the Chiefs. I think the Bengals are going to be reeling to get back and show that they are one of the better teams in the AFC after losing to the Jets, and I forget who they lost to after that. So... Uh, give me the Bengals. The I like that. Yeah, the Browns. <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because I think I bet the be- I bet the Bengals I won. Yeah, anytime I bet a Browns game, just go the other way. Uh, so the Bengals are minus one and a half. So I-, I like them as well. And the other one I like in this one, I'll be honest with you, I'm taking it through gritted teeth. I don't necessarily love this one. I don't like this one. But of all the other games, because I want to stay away from the Bengals, I want to stay away from that Cowboys-Chiefs game because I don't really have a feel on it. I think the Cowboys win, but I, I'm not confident enough, and you never know with the Chiefs. Like I'm, I'm, I don't like it, and I've lost so much money on the Chargers that I don't want to go that way again. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks plus two against the Cardinals. And the only reason I'm going with that is Russell Wilson now has had two weeks of practice. He's back. That offense should score points. I think the Cardinals maybe might be coming down to earth a little bit. I could just because I've sensed that Kyler Murray's coming back. If he's playing this week, he still hasn't played in a while. I don't know if he's 100%. So I'm going to take Seattle at home with a big bounce back win where people are counting them out and Russell Wilson has a big game. So my three picks are going Saints plus two, Bengals minus one and a half, Seattle plus two. Um, and like I said, I've been so goddamn awful this year that you should probably fade me, but those are the ones that I'm putting my money on. All right. Go I will not put for, for Mike, just Take so Michael Marissa's. Dunn likes me and doesn't just because Mike so Michael Dunn continues to like me doesn't put me through a table at his wedding in February. I am not letting my opinion known at all on the Browns Lions game and I'm not betting the Browns Lions game at all. I'm staying away from the Browns for the rest of the year. And I'm doing that for you, Michael. 
no matter how juicy the line looks. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks for joining us, whether it's on YouTube or uh, on Apple, Spotify. Give us a rating. Give us a five-star rating if you can. Even Connor's ex-girlfriend, if she does tune in, please give us a five-star rating. Uh, we appreciate that. We will be back uh, on I Monday, I think. Sophomore is- year of high school. like That was a <laughs> long time ago. So it's been, been a minute. We'll be back on Monday uh, with a recap of the game. We'll see how Joe Flacco went. Uh, we'll talk to you. Later.